Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for This Week in Google is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Twig. This Week in Google. Episode 84, recorded March 2nd, 2011. Fat Spotting. This Week in Google is brought to you by Carbonite. Backing up the files on your PC or Mac is safe and easy with Carbonite. For a free trial, plus two free months with purchase, go to Carbonite.com. Offer code TWIG. And by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to Squarespace.com slash twig. And by FreshBooks, the easy online invoicing service that gets you paid quickly and makes you look professional. Get started with a free package today at FreshBooks.com. It's time for Twig this week in Google and the Cloud. And joining us right now to talk about the cloudy weather, Mr. Andy Anatko, who has been at the Apple iPad announcement event just minutes ago, wrapped up. Andy's in his hotel lobby, and he's going to give us his take on iPad 2. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Thanks for thanks for finally getting me in here. I'm glad, I hope that people will enjoy the, the shot of up my nose. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there were live video screens on the internet today. Yeah, well, I agree. Uh, Gina Trapani is also here from... Uh, San Diego, where she has already decided she's buying an iPad too. I have. I, I want to talk about it. I'm a traitor, traitor. to the cause. A... That's what Jeff Jarvis says. Jeff is, Jeff is the blogger at BuzzMachine.com, the author of What Would Google Do? Of course, Gina's uh, SmarterWare.org. Welcome all. Time to talk about Google in the cloud, although I guess because Android tablets are the hot item. In fact, you could buy a Zoom. Anybody have a Zoom yet? Andy, did you get a Zoom? Uh, I have a Zoom in the house for testing. It's probably going, going to go back in a few weeks, but yeah, I've had for a couple now. XOOM. That's the Motorola Honeycomb-based tablet. And one of the things that I thought was very surprising was Steve Jobs taking direct aim at Honeycomb. He had a little B icon that he would use to show how uh, useless Honeycomb was, how few <laughs> apps and all of that. Uh, it's the fr- first time I can remember Steve himself making such targeted attacks at competitors. Usually it's considered better to not mention the competition, but obviously uh, Steve felt like this is time to go after uh, Android. Did you notice that, Andy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the iPad 2 was just one of the two sets of announcements at this show. Uh, mostly it was there to demonstrate not just that the iPad will continue to be competitive against all these new tablets coming out in 2011. The message was actually that we do not expect to have any competition through 2011. We, are, we have seen the enemy, and he is not us. Yeah, it was, so, a, it was a very self-congratulatory event. I mean, the long video at the beginning about how great the iPad was. I didn't see the video, but it seemed like it was kind of a tearjerker. Uh, it was your basic talking head in front of white screen sort of thing. Uh, how it's happening? It's, it's helping doctors. It's helping uh, kids with uh, certain disabilities. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of you know. It is a magical device, and it's working its magic towards all of humanity. Uh, not 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 sickening, but it was definitely up there. <laughs> and yet, I mean, Gina. It's, it's very nice. And yet, Gina, uh, you you drank the Kool Aid. 
<laughs> I did. You know, I, I've been in the market for a tablet for a while. Ever since I sold my Kindle, I've been, I decided I wanted to get a tablet and I wanted to wait to see what the first official Google tablet would be, which is basically the, which is the Zoom with Honeycomb. Right. And then I wanted to wait, which I was very tempted by. I nearly had a meltdown in Best Buy last week. I was like, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, I thought, and then I, but I said, okay, you know what? I got to wait until Wednesday, March 2nd, just to hear what Apple has to say. And you know, I decided I'm going to get the iPad just because honestly, to me, it's like, first of all, I'm just, a, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to buying gadgets. I feel much more comfortable buying second generation. It's so thin. Uh, and it, it just, you know, the two cameras, the, the, the fact that it's been on the market for, for a year now and has apps that have been developed for the platform is just, is yeah. really attracted to me. And honestly, just as a developer and as a commentator, I haven't used iOS seriously in a long time. And I want to just be able to make sort of informed and objective comparisons between Android and iOS. I mean, so many of my heroes, you know, like the Marco Armands and the group, even, even the Grubers, who I, I know is, you know, just a big Apple fan. They insist that iOS has this, you know, this, this magic in it that Android doesn't. And, and, I, and I want to kind of understand that a little more. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm going to get the iPad. I'm going to develop for the iPad. I'm porting my app from Android to iOS, which is a big part of my reason. And uh, and I'm going to kind of be able to be on both sides of the fence. I also use Windows 7 and Mac OS 10 as well. Right. For similar in, in all fairness, you know, I have both since I have my iPhone and my Galaxy Tab. So I'm... I'm, uh -huh. I'm yeah, there you go. I'm, yep. I'm by OS myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm by, try, <laughs> get throw Linux in the mix. Are you going to get a, uh, what do they call it, the smart case, the smart cover? I don't know how it's smart. It's a bit of rubber with well, magnets. It's magnetic, right? The magnets magnetic, are smart? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty damn cool because uh, not only does it add practically nothing to the size of the case, uh, if, you, if you, you would have seen me like at the demo area tr trying to play out the game where I bet there's a little mouse inside the refrigerator who turns off and on the light. Yeah, I bet, if I, I, I bet that if, I, if I open and close the door really quick, I can get I can catch them. So does and it so turn on the screen when you flip the cover back? It's incredible. I mean, even if you you, you, turn, you, you pull the screen off and the screen wakes and the, the device wakes up, you close it and it automatically goes to sleep. And and I was actually shooting video of this. I'm, I'm kind of pathetic. Uh, if you just lift up a corner of it and slap it back down for that fraction of a second that that corner is up, it wakes up and then then sleeps again. Oh, that's hysterical. It's you, you, really, you wait until you actually hold one of these in your hands. You, you, you would think that, my God, I can't believe I'm actually waxing poetic about a damn cover. But it's, <laughs> it's Apple. They can't, they can't just say, well, what if we just mold something out of vinyl and slip it in there? Uh, it's no, it's going to have magical magnetic connectors that automatically finds the right place and automatically interacts with the device itself. I have it's to really say, pretty that, cool. that's pretty impressive that they could get people, especially since this is pure profit, right? I mean, it's a piece of rubber with magnets that cost $30. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, what, do you think that if you had the iPad with yeah, the cover but, on I mean, it? It's, it's, sorry, Andy's a little lagged because he's uh, in he's in the hotel oh, lobby, right? Because so. he's because uh, on the Wi-Fi. Yeah, is that cover? Uh, my concern about the cover, I totally dig the magnet idea. Is it? It looks a little flimsy. Am I going to be able to take the iPad with just that cover without the wraparound? Put it in my bag with you know maybe a regular notebook and a couple other items, and it's not going to come off. I mean, are those magnets strong? Is it really going to protect? Uh, the screen in a, in a bag with other things, or am I going to need a sleeve on top of that cover? Um, the magnet is really, really, very strong. I actually lifted up the iPad on those magnets. Really? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't. You know, joking. I wasn't just like twitching it around, but I carefully lifted it up, and yeah, it did actually come up with a thing. Um, I think that you're more in danger. If the only thing that I would be worried about is 
when I put it in this big noisy sort of bag with all the stuff in it, uh, is the mag are the magnets going to be attracted to anything else in the bag? Will it be possible for me to sort of like shear the magnets off the side of it? Uh, but the thing is, when the cover is in place, and here's here's the bottom line, it really feels as though it's a built-in cover that's right. held on firmly by screws. Uh, once you put this on, it really does feel as though it was a design element. It really is Apple. Apple explaining that the reason it's it's not thirty nine dollars because it's thirty nine dollars worth of stuff. It's thirty nine dollars because we put about a hundred dollars worth of thought into how to make a cover for this device. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. They, if you really want to spend money, you can also get a seventy dollar leather version of the same thing. I cannot believe that I'm going to buy this freaking cover, but I am. <laughs> well, you know what? You almost have to because all the existing iPad covers will block the camera. So you uh, until other. Well, but but the. But they're, they're, I'm sure they're going to they're switch to the new one soon. But it, it has another really cool trick on it. If you roll it up, there are magnets actually inside the cover itself that will turn it into a wedge that will hold it at the right typing angle. Or, yeah. uh, so it's not like it'll, all, it'll fall apart. Uh, and Apple says that this isn't going to be like uh, MagSafe connectors where they, they own the technology and you have to buy a license to use it. Essentially, if you want to, build, if you want to design something that has magnets in it, and it, it, oh, that's a magnet wrong. is a magnet is a magnet. There's magnets in the iPad, so it really is a strong bond, uh, as well as in the cover. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's the old perfect. act, Leo, Senior Wenceslas. Senior Wences. The, hello, the Eddie. Hello, yeah. hello. Hello, Eddie. Means nothing to you, Gina. But what does it have to? It means nothing to me. What does it have to do with that? Is it look a senior Wences it's like cover? It's a little box, and you say hello, 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 hello. That's the way. the fix strikes me. It's thirty nine dollars of pure profit for Apple. That's really what it is. Actually, I think you've just defined the iPad two version of the flashlight app. The first guy who does a senior Wences app that does whenever lifts up exactly. It says hello. Hello. It'll make a hundred thousand dollars in a month, and then never sell another one after two months. It also reminds me of uh, Quick Draw McGraw, uh, a Baba Louie. All right, Saturday. Which I is wonder if awesome. they can expose the, mag the magnet API to developers, though. Are magnet developers API. Made a sense of their app? I can't believe we're talking about a magnet freaking magnet API. There it is. Let me just show you the hello, <laughs> hello, hello, Eddie. I gotta go back here. This the is magnet this, API. The magnet will. You know, there is an open magnet API that all Apple devices are now supporting. There is. That's the senior Wences moment. Hello. Hello. Hey, Baba Louis. All right. All right. All right, Debbie. Oh, hello. Hello. Chat web, web 1637 in the chat room says, damn, Jeff is so old. <laughs> well, if Jeff's old, I'm as old. So, oh, we lost Andy. Let's get him back on. But um, so what is it, Gina, though? You don't have an Android tablet? I do not. I do not have an Android what tablet. What is it about this that makes you want it? The the iPad? Yeah. The the fact that it's been around for a year and the apps are built for it, that it's that it's mature, that it's so light, that the battery life is so long. The Zoom's battery life wasn't great. Uh, the form factor on the iPad just looks looks amazing. I, I mean, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying that I won't ever have a honeycomb tablet. I just think that it's it's just too early. And I kind of felt this. I didn't get the iPad when it first came out because I kind of felt like, let this be out for a yeah. while. I haven't decided whether or not there's room for a tablet or I need a tablet. But once I sold my Kindle, I was like, I want a tablet. And it just, it seems clear to me that right now, at this moment in time, the iPad is the most superior tablet on the market. Not to say that, that uh, you know, an Android tablet won't catch up at some point, um, but... But yeah, it's just it looks really cool, and and I and I fell for the whole case thing. Like I'm gonna buy. The case. I'm gonna buy the case. So Andy, you you've held it because they had a demo room. Does it feel lighter and thinner? Does it is it is it noticeable difference? It really it really does. I mean, I had my iPad with me obviously, and I was holding both of them in my hands, and 
I'm sorry, but I don't know how they got all that space out of it. Uh, but when you, by the time you're holding an iPad 2 in your hands, you feel as though you're holding the thinnest object oh of any use whatsoever you've ever held in your hand. It's oh just, uh, it's just boggling. I actually, I actually had to do, I actually had to put them both screen down uh, side by side to make sure I wasn't just imagining that. Oh, I bet they just tapered the edges down. No, it is that much thinner, and it feels that much thinner. And after having spent the past two or three weeks playing with a whole bunch of different Honeycomb tablets. Nothing on Android. When when a consumer comes in with a, with a five or six hundred or seven hundred bucks in their pocket with a desire to buy a tablet, nobody is going to pick up an iPad 2 and anything else and think that anything else is in that same class. It has that kind of a response to it. My my problem, you know, at this point, I I could probably uh, save face by saying, well, now that it has two cameras, of course, of course. Yeah, Jeff, we should just uh, to rub it in, point out that very famously. Had a reboxing of his iPad, but but your reboxing was more about the fact that it's a it's a consumption. It was political. Yeah, it was. It was. But 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 the problem I have now really is I'm addicted to the size of the Galaxy Tab. Yeah, the fact that it's in my pocket and I'm thumb typing. I, I I imagine so so I so you know I'm gadget not I'm I, I, honey I really need to have the <laughs> iPad because my students are developing newspaper things I need to see what Rupert's doing oh I can I can play it up I can do it right but then I don't know how I use it still because it won't fit my pocket well here's one thing speaking to that original objection that I thought was very interesting they really emphasized GarageBand and iMovie. In the uh, in the talk today, and and it does in a way address that issue of it being a content consumption device. Yeah, yeah. very much well, more the ca- the with the camera, the the, well, the the those two applications, the ability to shoot 720p video. It does look a little bit more like a content creation device. And I tell you, with the I, camera I, I apps think, on iOS, that's going to be an impressive camera. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a different message entirely. I think the main reason, one of the main reasons why they pushed out those two apps. Is because it, they are really going to be banners, banner holders for here's the difference between how good an app can be on an iPad. And please, please, consumer, go ahead and compare this to any app you'd like on Android. Uh, this, this, it really underscores the general attitude of we don't feel as though there's going to be any competition for the iPad in 2011. Uh, although your point is very well made. The, I did uh, spend some time uh, building things with iMovie uh, and with GarageBand. And boy, that might be the, the the iPad version of uh, iMovie might be one of my favorite video editors. Yeah. Speaking as somebody who always hates video editors, no, it's a it's natural way to so edit because to slide these things out. For example, you, you're handling it; it's very visceral. Yeah, uh, and that clearly is what Apple's starting to say. And I think that with the new laptops with Thunderbolt on them and the ability to do a touch screen, I think I think iOS and touch. Is going to this is in a way pushing us more in that direction of full screen apps, which OS X Lion will support, iOS uh, uh, interface style interfaces. I know, I know. Steve says we don't want to reach out and touch, and I, I agree with him on a laptop screen. But I have to say, uh, it's such a natural interface for some things like GarageBand and like iMovie that we're going to be clamoring, I think, for that ability. Let me, One of my other yeah. issues back when was was the difficulty of getting stuff on it without a USB. How well, have you found using it now? I think one thing they did that was uh, stunning is this is this HDMI uh, mirroring adapter, which means you it's now a home theater device. You put not, not only not only that, but uh, the fact that every single iOS app gets videoing video mirroring for yes. free. They don't have to support it; it just simply exists. Uh, take that, 
take the nine times uh, graphical performance and also take the fact that it has a built-in gyroscope and think about the games that can be oh. built with this thing. This is a controller for your big screen exactly. TV. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you, plug that in, you plug that into an HD TV now and you will have something pretty formidable as a gaming device. Very intriguing. Interesting. Did you, did you find out, Andy, because they don't say it anywhere, even in the tech specs on the website, what the resolution of that rear-facing camera is? Uh, no, I'm, all they've said is I, I did try to email my. I, I did try to email email myself a picture, but no go. Yeah, uh, you know I, I'm going to guess that it's the same as the iPhone four, but it may not be that good. All they said is 720p, 30 frame per second video, but you know you could do that with a flip cam with upscaling. They don't say native 720p, yeah. so until we know the resolution, that could I'm, be a sticking I'm, point. I'm, I'm not going to even guess. Interesting. What I found interesting was the fact that the camera app for the iPad is identical to the camera app for the iPhone. So you do have selective focus, mm. you do have selective exposure, but it's not as though they decided to use that extra screen real estate to put some extra features in the app. It is just the same app you get before. Well, that's an opportunity for people like Lisa Bettany and, uh, and third-party camera apps. You're right, Gina. I know it, Gina's going like this. Am right. I going to be walking it's, around taking pictures like it's, this? It's kind of weird. Slab in my yeah, hand, know. you know, like, oh, I think wait, you are. I think you're yeah, going to get used to it. So. And I think especially with video, I, I can see this because this is a full screen monitor. I mean, I can see you shooting video like this and you're really seeing what you're getting. Right. Right. Andy, did you try Movie Studio in, uh, in Honeycomb? And how did you think that it, it compares to iMovie? Uh, I did try Movie Studio. I didn't build anything start to finish with it, but uh, par partially because I was kind of thrown off by the interface. Uh, I think that the Movie Studio is a functional app. I think that iMovie is an app you'll use because you'll want to use it. Mm -hmm. I'd rather uh, Movie Studio, you use it because it's the app that, that's on the device that's what and it does got. an okay job. Yeah. Whereas iMovie is going to be, hey, why, since, I'm, since I'm waiting for my plane anyway, why don't I cut together a really good video and post it to Facebook, post it to YouTube, post it to CNN uh, before, before my flight boards. Interesting. See, uh, this would be really interesting for me because I'm not a movie editing girl. Like, I just movie editing. I, I love it. And, I, and I, I took a workshop, a weekend long workshop on it. And it took me literally eight hours to yeah. cut together my final project, yeah. which was about five minutes. Right? right. So it's like I love it, but it's exhausting. It takes so much time. So I'm really interested yeah. to see whether or not uh, iMovie on the iPad will will uh, will move me and be easy enough for me to, to do more of that. Not to turn this into MacBreak Weekly, as they say in the chat room. Uh, right now, but um, well, we're going to get to Google stuff. Uh, we'll, I know, I know, we'll let no, Andy no, no, go. But I, I this is a big story. We're going to cover it. Oh, no, I, I agree. I'm asking. No, I'm. I'm. I'm it's my fault. I'm, I'm asking questions. Um, so, <laughs> the changes that I will get on my iPhone that includes um, Hotspot. Well, yes, that's. Uh, the, there was also a preview of uh, iOS 4.3, which is going to be released the same day as as the iPad. Uh, and yes, mobile hotspot is coming to every phone that runs 4.3, so you will have it on AT&T as well as Verizon. But it will not be it will not be available on, on the iPad though. What what remains to be seen is how much AT&T might charge you for it, so forth and so on. What kind of limitations the carrier might put on it? What it says is that in terms of because hot by the way, hotspot has been available uh, on in Europe, right? Uh, this is this is not new. Yeah. But if I, if I, my point is this, if I were to get a um, an iPad. One can now more easily get it without a phone contract. Get the four ninety nine. Uh, well, you can always get it for four ninety nine without a phone contract. Well, so, but you could use so your iPhone. Yeah, yeah. Use your you iPhone, have an iPhone tether. You have an Android phone, yeah, and so yeah. now you can be pretty much guaranteed of hotspot. Right. Then, um, then you don't then. need three G because you got the three G here, right. and then it just kind of beams it over. 
problem with that for my Galaxy Tab, the reason I went back and, and switched to getting it, A, was because it has hotspot. I needed hotspot. B, because I wanted to do the mobile stuff with it, so I wanted it to be mobile aware. If you, if you buy the iPad without a, a mobile contract, does it have GPS? Uh, only the 3G model has GPS. However, right. you can buy the 3G model without buying a contract. It is always month to month. Yeah, all I'm saying is if you're trying to save money on this uh, and, and, and trying to buy something you know, less expensive and get the functionality, what you give up is mobile-aware things, geo-aware things. With the hotspot, uh, otherwise, you're kind of okay. Yeah, GPS right? is I, missing I, from the Wi-Fi. Right. That's, so that's the main thing you would give up. Right. If you, if you, if you have it, you know, just for the listeners, if you have an iPhone, you go to hotspot, you get the cheaper iPad, you're okay except for that. Precisely. Right? Yeah, the other thing I saw so, in Canada, yeah. Roger, okay. I think it's Rogers, no, no, Rogers just did a new uh, a plan in Canada when I was up there a week ago um, that finally has the plan where you can do multiple uh, SIMs, multiple devices under one data plan. Mm. And finally, it makes perfect sense. You pay 10 bucks a month more per device. Who would think that Rogers would end up being an enlightened company? Exactly. (laughs) The last last company. I wouldn't have thought so at all. (laughs) Having worked Uh, for them. (laughs) I want that so much, right? I want to be able to have, and and they should want me to want it, right? I want five (laughs) devices, six devices, uh, and not have to do another huge contract because. They don't know what they're missing in terms of the things I won't buy because I'm not going to do a full $80 a month contract. It makes it too expensive. Hmm. All right. Uh, anything else to say? I'm going to let Andy go because uh, we're going to go to uh, – there's a lot of other Gmail and uh, and Google search stuff to talk about. But uh, anything else you'd like to say, oh, yeah, Andy? I got one question for you, both. Since I didn't watch the video, how'd Steve look? Uh, Steve looked great. Uh, a lot of people – it was a big surprise. He got a big hand from everybody in the room. Uh, he looked no different than he did from previous appearances. Also, I have to admit that when he left the stage for the video, I was thinking, okay, now is he going to disappear, disappear? But right. no, he was just standing by the standing just off stage. He did the whole the thing, just as always. Did the whole, yep. did the whole, whole thing standing up, and by the at the end, he he seemed just as strong and he was in just as good a voice as he was at the very beginning. You know, I, I know his doctor from a personal relationship, but then also saw him in, in Europe. And of course, he's not going to say anything about Steve's no. particular case. But he was right. he, he wrote emails to some of these doctors who, not knowing a damn thing about the case, were speculating about it in the press. Saying, How dare you? Yeah, and exactly. you know everything that Steve's body has gone through, God knows. But uh, but he, you know, what, joke about him here and there. But he's our hero, man. Yeah, and I and I, you know he got a standing ovation when he walked on stage. And I have to say. I, I would have been there standing up with everybody yes. else. You know, very but he wouldn't let you there, Leo. No, he, w- he doesn't like me, but that's okay. I still <laughs> like him. <laughs> Andy Anako, thank you so much for coming all this way to cover the event for us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Google. Good to see you, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Good to see you guys. Thanks for the flocked Thanks, wallpaper, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you. <laughs> Barbary I'm not, I'm not Coast action there. To, to answer one question on Twitter, I am not in the bordello. This is just a very nice, <laughs> very nicely, nicely decorated hotel yeah. lobby. All San Francisco <laughs> hotels look like bordellos. That's just the nature of the beast. Thank you, Andy. Exactly. <laughs> Take, Take care. You. Andy Anako, Chicago Sun-Times and uh, the Celestial Waste of Bandwidth, CWOB.com. And uh, he was in there with uh, the press covering the uh, the uh, announcement. We do have a, uh, if you want to watch the full uh analysis uh, as we did it uh, live this morning on twit we uh 
That will be Mac Break Weekly, which uh, should be out by now. Uh, and you can uh, download that and listen to that. We didn't have, they didn't stream this uh, uh, as they have the last two events. Uh, but we were able to uh, talk along with the live blogging. It was somewhat. Uh, Tom Merritt and I kind of likened it to the old days of radio, where they would do baseball games via telegraph. You know, this <laughs> just in. And so it, frustrating they didn't stream it. I, it seemed like a step backwards. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I have to say, with the iPad, there were certain things I was disappointed about. I'm sorry that we, there wasn't a Retina display. I'm sorry there wasn't a price drop, and I'm sorry that I'm going to have to rebuy apps twice but then again it's like if i have to buy angry birds twice it's fine well, they, uh, you don't have you know, to rebuy it like uh, in the android market uh, and oh, oh oh yeah yeah anything you'd bought on ios though you could bring over but you don't have anything in ios do you right but you've got to buy separate apps for the yes. ipad versus the phone not necessarily a, uh, in huh? fact a surprising number of apps work on both Oh, they're just, just now compatible. They do unit. It's called universal. And um, oh. as time has gone by, I think more and more apps are universal. Makes sense. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. There is a lot to talk about. Google changed their algorithm significantly, uh, causing uh, one major media company to fire 10% of its staff yesterday. We'll talk about that, the Gmail outage, and more in just a bit. You're watching Twig This Week in Google with Gina Trapani, smarterware.org. Jeff Jarvis of buzzmachine.com. This show brought to you today by Carbonite Online Backup. You got to back it up to get it back and do it right with Carbonite. I could just make that the commercial. It all rhymes. It all goes together. It all makes sense. Why Carbonite? First of all, it's automatic. You don't have to think about it. That's very important. Any backup solution that just doesn't happen automatically is not going not gonna to make it. And it's not backing up to a local hard drive. Now, why is that important? Well, what if, you know, in fact, I encourage you to still make local backups. Use uh, Use an external drive or a USB key or CD-ROM or whatever because it's convenient. But what if the worst happens? What if there's a fire, a flood, an earthquake, and, the, and, and you lose everything? Somebody breaks in, steals your computer and the external hard drive. That's not a real backup. Everybody, every backup expert I know says you got to have an off-site backup. And that's what Carbonite does. Automatically, whenever you're connected to the Internet, Carbonite is trickling your data up to the cloud where it's safe. Not only in case of disaster, but you can access that data. It's really off, offline access. You can access that data anywhere, anytime from any system. Just log on to your Carbonite account. There's your data. They even have a free iPhone and BlackBerry app. So your data is, uh, is always accessible and available. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, cloud storage in addition to backup. And the price is right. It's the last man standing on Unlimited. $55 a year gets you unlimited backup from one machine, of the internal drive on one machine, your personal data. Uh, you know, obviously it's not going to back up, you know, 800 external drives, but the internal drive on your existing machine. And it also uses your bandwidth. So I do want you to try before you buy. Make sure that, you know, the, the, you have sufficient bandwidth and the speed is adequate for you. You know, sometimes I get emails from people saying, you know, it, it's going to take me a week to back up my 300 gigabytes. So it's like, well, dude, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not magic. <laughs> of course it is. It, because it's very gentle. It's humane. It doesn't tie your system up. It doesn't tie your uh, bandwidth up. But it does. Once you get that first backup done, and that should take a week or so, then... Always up to date, and I love that. Try it free for two weeks right now. Go to Carbonite.com. Use the offer code TWIG. If you decide to buy, you'll get two additional months for free. Carbonite, back up, done right. Don't come crying to me if you don't do it. Carbonite.com. Speaking of backup, <laughs> uh, Gmail. Ooh. Now, it's only point, they say only 0.02% of all Gmail users 
But that must a lot of Gmail users. <laughs> that's tens of thousands and that's of people. Scary to happen to you. Yeah, terrifying. Oh. So I would have panicked for G- sure. Gina, what happened? There was an outage. There was an outage. So the the official company story is they um, they released um, software that had a bug that got. Uh, disseminated to their various Gmail servers before they caught it. So they, so the data, their hot backups, you know, it ruined their hot backups. Basically, they had to bring back the Gmail data from tape. From which they tape. From tape, which is why it took so long for them to, uh, relatively, to to get it back online. Um, yeah, scary stuff. I mean, hey, this happens. Bugs happen. But if you're, you know, if you depend on your on your email and it's in the cloud, and this goes for every kind of cloud service, it's always kind of a good idea to have a little bit of a backup plan, uh, just in case this kind of thing can happen. I mean, kudos to Google for being transparent about it, for being communicative, for explaining what happened and explaining what they did to bring it back. It makes me really happy that they have hot backup and cold storage. So if things went terribly wrong, they'd bring back my email. But you know, if it was the middle of the week and you know, I had. Uh, some really important important email that I couldn't get to. People are I'd be out, pretty freaked. People are out for like seven or eight hours. There was no email at all. Yeah, that's I mean, uh, nothing yeah. was lost, but that's no email at all for seven or eight hours is a big deal. Right. This is this is kind of my Gmail nightmare. My Gmail nightmare is actually trying to log in and being locked out and not not being able to get to my stuff and being yeah. just one person with you know with no voice. You know, I mean, this was like an outage that affected a lot of people. People mm-hmm. were going crazy talking about it. It got coverage. They communicated what was going on. That kind of thing. Either way, if you're storing kind of mission critical information in the cloud, it's always a good idea to have a backup uh, and and to backup your Gmail. And so, what's the best way to do that? Is it backupify? Is it you know what? what well, are the, Kevin Purdy wrote now? a good article on Lifehacker here. Suggested, yeah, he did. There are several, several options. You can use something like Backupify, which is an automated thing. That's that, what that, I that, use. That, yeah, love it. Yeah, you pay for it. It's automated. Just kind of does it in the background. Set it, forget it. Um, you can do things like backup your Gmail to a Hotmail account, so you kind of have redundant cloud. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, what are the chances of Google and Microsoft flopping at the same time? Right. Exactly. What are the chances? Exactly. And then there's nerds like me. Like I do, you know, I'm crazy. I do, I have once a month, I, I fire up Thunderbird and I pop all my Gmail from the previous month and I have kind of a That's local, a good idea. local but, which, you know, isn't a great solution because if, if it's the last day of the month, I still don't have a month's worth of, worth of email. Um, but, but I just, I like the idea that I have my backup and then it backs up to my backup service right. and on my time machine drive. It's your data and, uh, then it's searchable, too. I mean, it's kind of like you have a, the database of all of your emails. I think that's a nice thing to do, and it's free. It'll be smart for Google to make deal. It, it doesn't say a very good PR thing for them if if they say, <laughs> oh, you yeah. better back up on someplace. Right. But on the other hand, for all these services to say, listen, it's your data, so here's some options for you. Here's how you're portable. It, 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 would, it would take away the, oh, my God, they have my data and they've imprisoned me. Well, I mean, I think the IMAP and a pop access is that, you know what I mean? Oh, I, mean yeah. I think they couch it in like, hey, you can get it. We can get us on it. You get Gmail on any client, but you can also use it as a backup. They, they've never kind of explained it as a backup. Although Matt Cutts back in 08, I think, did a, did a blog post like, hey, here's how to use fetch mail or um, another command line client to sort of schedule, you know, backups of, you know, via pop. So, uh, yeah. Fetch <laughs> mail is also in that life. Actually, you're the one who... Uh Wrote the article yeah, I, on Fetchmail. I had written up the article on Fetchmail, but then, you know, I gave up and I just went with, with Thunderbird because uh, I was dealing with different PCs and Sigwin and all that madness. So if uh, you weren't on Windows, uh, you could install Fetchmail on your Mac or your Linux box, right? Right, and you could cron a job that, that pulls it. That's what yep. you want to do. That would be a great way to do it. 
Oh, but you have to have proc mail, XM, and fetch mail. Oh boy. Yeah, there's yeah, there's That's a lot, lot of, to install. There's a lot of nerd nerdness happening there. Yeah, uh, and just just a lot to install and configure. I, you know, and, and my solution, which is to I have to remember to bring up Thunderbird and, and pop my mail, or bring up any kind of local mail client, which is also not great. But I, I have just a recurring uh, event on my calendar to do it. Which well, makes me better. Backup, I guess, is uh, always the uh, rule. And yes. and the good news is Gmail followed the rule. Google had backups. It just yes. was off for a while. See, a backup isn't going to solve that fundamental issue of you're not in touch. Not only should you have a backup, you should have a second email solution. Right. You know, I mean, well, you know, when you use Google Apps for your domain, you know, I can move my email address to any service provider and it doesn't change. You, you, know, you know what I mean? If you're using vanilla Gmail, then. But then again, Gmail gives you the uh, the option, right, to send. You can you can send from any address. So here's be- what I would do. In fact, what I do do. I have Leo at Leoville.com. That's not a mail server. That's my server. And it uses an MX record to forward the mail first to Gmail, but then I pop it from FastMail, which is an IMAP solution, and I actually use FastMail as my connectivity. So I have copies of everything on Gmail and FastMail. If Gmail were to go down, it's just a simple change of a DNS record to say, oh, don't send it to Gmail, send it right to FastMail, and I'm no no worse off. So that's that's, that's a way that's to do good it. redundancy. Yeah. That's really good redundancy. Yeah. The sad thing now is that you have you have even more copies of the thousand emails a day that you that can't I don't answer. Want. <laughs> But I'll never lose them. Someday I may retire and you may get an email response from me like 30 years later. <laughs> 20 years of Viagra spam. Yeah. I can't die until I answer all hey, my I, I could use that Viagra now. <laughs> you guys still in business? <laughs> uh, it would be funny if I started answering oh, God, email. We got an joke and a Viagra joke at the same show. Unbelievable. Uh-uh. Why do you take this personally, Jeff? Uh, uh, it would be funny if I started answering email 30 years later. Hey, I got your email back in 2007. Ah. Well, it's like those great stories you see on TV. They love the story where suddenly Mabel's email was lost in the post yes. office for 60 years. Yes. Now this is the email equivalent of that. It's the dead letter file, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea. That'd be a really fun meme. <laughs> Go back in your Gmail, find a five-year-old email and just respond to it. Oh, that would be fun. I did that by accident. <laughs> I did that. Yeah, by oh, yeah, I heard this on Twitter. Didn't you have yeah. a, an email from your tech TV pal? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Open your inbox. Well, it was because I was. It was when I was setting up this Gmail Fastmail thing, and so I fetched. You can go back in time and fetch all your Gmail, and I did. And it was back 2006 or something. Uh, it was. It was. It was. It was an early Twit email, and I didn't realize. I didn't see the date, and I thought this was a new email, and I responded to all. And it was, it, I think it was just this weird, strange dissonance for people that they were getting this email about a topic that they had discussed five years ago. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was dead lettery. So uh, we are going to talk about uh, Google's new algorithm. You know, poor Jason at Mahalo, he says he fired 10% of his staff because he's seen a dramatic drop in uh, in in hits because Google has has deprecated their content. So is, the irony is that Mahalo is more human. In, they're in not I, really I, I demand media. It, yeah, they're not really a farm. I don't think. <sighs> so I don't think so. So uh, I guess back to Gino. What the hell happened here? What is this? There's a new a new algorithm. Yeah. So they cha- so Google changes the algorithm to reduce um, you know con- lower quality content placement and that's results. a constant they're always doing that 
they're always doing that, right? Um, but but it sounds like this algorithm change was especially sort of targeted toward content farms, however you define those. It's not, not is clear it demand how... media or is it something else? It's primarily demand. Yeah, it's primarily demand. That seems to be word on the street, right? I mean, Google right, but that's what Google that. said. It's not demand. No, it's, uh, it's like these uh, link farms. It's just another form of link farm, right? That too. If you yeah. look at the list of who was affected, it was link farms and content farms. Now, I saw that list, and we had Kara Swisher here on Sunday and, uh, on Twitter, and she had just spoken to Yahoo, which bought um, the, the, the demand media company. I can't remember their name. Uh, Associated Content. Associated Content. Associated Content was on that list. In fact, it was like number five of, of sites that were kind of pushed down. And she says uh, Yahoo denied it, that in fact... They said, you won't, we won't really know for quite a bit longer whether it's impacted us or not. So did demand, but these were independent stats from elsewhere. Right. And, you know, I, I think that the, you know, as we've discussed, Google does not have the problem that the PR would, negative PR would, would make us believe they have. Nonetheless, the PR is a problem. And they had to deal with this, right. and it affects their reputation. And so, uh, you know, I, I think there's a flight from crap that... You know, we've always had crap. As I always say, the internet has always been filled with crap. That's not the issue. The internet, the problem is finding the good stuff. And Google, in perception, was getting less good at finding the good stuff. And I'm interviewing uh, Marissa Meyer and Tim Armstrong at CUNY next week for the um, start of. Um, oops, I just realized. Am I gonna? Yeah, I'll be on the show beforehand. Oh, good. Uh, oh, I wish you could and, go after. We'd love to hear the results of that. Well, it'll be a lot later. It'll be a lot okay. later. So I'll, I'll tell you. And um, starts at uh, at six o'clock. So I have to be off on time, but other than okay, that, we will get you um, off on time. But uh, uh, you know I, what I want to question both about, especially after Armstrong's you know PowerPoint of the AOL way and Google doing this is is are we trying to improve the quality of the web? You know I think that that what we're people tend to use more and more is Twitter and Facebook and peer links. Well, and that's what's hurting Google, right? They're using social exactly. search. So that's really the issue to me is that is the quality matters there that they've got to find ways to improve that quality. You're competing so with a curated search, curated in fact by your social graph. I mean that's pretty right. damn good. Exactly. Now, as Matt said on this very show, really bef long before this argument came out, is he said here on Twig that they were looking for signals of originality and quality. Right. And that uh, you know what's the line between crap and spam? Uh, who said the, the, the lines are really blurry right and that's are. the issue how, yeah. do, how do you define content farm but you know how many people share links to mahalo or ehow to their friend like recommend them to their friends you know if i want to learn how to unplug my toilet i'm probably going to get an ehow article right but are you going to like it on but Facebook? am i going to start on right am i going to like it in reader am i going to start on right. am i going to share it on twitter am i going to post it to my blog no, probably no, not no those but those those links tend to be uh Topical content, right? Mostly. So what about non-topical content? Yeah, you don't share non-topical content that much. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Almost always when I share something, it's something, it's newsy or, or yeah. of, of great interest, but it tends to be. You know, when I, in fact, when I see on Hacker News or other places articles that are several years old, I go, what? Didn't you read it when it came out? <laughs> what are you linking to it now for? Yeah, no, that's well, a good that's a good point. But freshness is a signal, right? I mean, it is. It's a big part of the signal. I, mean, I think yeah. I think one of the key signals here that that will make media companies happy is brand, right? Right. Because um, demand media is the as a as a bad as supposedly a bad brand, right? And and so you know that's that's helpful. If you look at if you look at YouTube, 
yeah, you can do the Mentos thing and you can make money on viral, but but YouTube said this week um, that they're paying hundreds of people six figures and thousands five figures a year on YouTube. Wow. That probably doesn't come from one video off at a time. It probably comes no. from building a brand and having a right. following. Right. And so I think that, that that starts to matter here too is that you want to – I mean, Ehow had a brand. I think it got ruined when it got bought. Um, but But that's one of the signals you have is this is a reliable – home for good stuff right interesting demand media's ceo says it didn't affect us we're not journalists we don't care blah 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 there <laughs> this is uh, mike shields writing an ad week uh this week richard rosenblatt co-founder and ceo of demand media when he heard that google was changing its algorithm with an intent to weed out content produced like by companies like his he didn't panic he shrugged what else is he gonna say well, but right. I mean, what else can you say? That's why I was surprised by Jason. I mean, Jason. Boy, did he jump know, on it? I mean, he jumped on it. He reduced. it, fired ten percent of their staff. I mean, that seems like an instant admission of of kind of a failure. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like saying, like, yeah, our content didn't did, wasn't up to snuff. Wasn't up well, to snuff enough for Google. Jason Calacanis and Mahalo President Jason Rapp sent out a mass emailing saying, among other things, that Google's changes have led to a significant dip in our traffic and revenue. I wonder if there's not something else going on there. Is is Jason wears the hair shirt well? Yeah, you're and is right. He get, is he now going to say, "Big bad Google right. is messing with me"? I'm not like those guys. And he over, you know, he quickly he overreacted. He's the king of overreaction. He may, in fact, have just used this as an excuse to do something he needed or wanted to do. I, I think it's that. I think it, this now gives him the ability to act like he's poor, poor Jason, yeah. and to act as if Google is the enemy of his business, and he'll use this cynically and opportunistically love you jason but you know it's what you do it's well consider the source i think that's what you're saying we don't know but consider the source yeah right it looks like a reason to switch to more video content to make to kind of pivot a little bit right and go right which is demand media is is the number one contributor of video to youtube (laughs) video is really what they do he's jason's uh jason and jason say interestingly a lot of the search side of google has impacted us negatively google's video unit youtube continues to be our strong partner encouraging us to ramp up our video production and publish even more of our expert video lessons yeah you're right it's a pivot gina you're right it's an opportunistic pivot it's a pivot yeah that's what it sounds like it could be i wonder if google um uses the data that they gather through google analytics to uh i hope not to check to see, you know, kind of how these algorithms change. It's interesting, you know, because Google knows how a lot of these sites do in their own search Wouldn't results. Wouldn't that be a breach? Using- Wouldn't that be yeah. somehow well, would- a breach of confidentiality if, if one hand is saying, we know a lot of stuff about these sites, you want to share that with Matt here? I but you know what? They don't that. need to use analytics. They can use uh, AdSense. A lot of these sites are serving Google ads, and Google knows everything about well, them. Well, even then, that. I don't think they should be using that, should they? Well, but they, why not? Because in, in the sense that they need to know where ads perform. Well, because if it know. got out, that uh, then people would say, oh, I'm not going to use AdSense. I'll be a partner with somebody else. I don't want to have my site search results deprecated because of information Google has gleaned from us being a customer. That's a point. That's not so good. I yeah, it's good. I'm sure it has to be addressed somewhere in the analytics uh, t- terms yeah. of use. It's just it's interesting to me that they you know that they do both they website have, traffic yeah. reporting and yeah. you know have such a big impact on what that what those numbers would be. They know, I mean, if they were to combine all these different uh, information sources, they would absolutely know everything they need to know. And maybe they have never said that they don't. I don't know. It would certainly make people stop using analytics and AdSense if they knew that. Well, this is think? the kind of. 
channel conflicts you get now. It's a channel conflict. Right. But, well, how do you handle that as a company? Don't you build a firewall, a Chinese wall? Don't you? Uh... Right. That's how, right. That's how you have you to do have it. At this to. point, I mean, Google Analytics is, I mean, I, I, I the days of Webalizer and uh, what was that other really bad? I mean, I mean, Google Analytics is kind it's of so good. Well, they bought the, Urchin so, and Urchin was Urchin. very good and they bought right. it and incorporated it. Uh, but there are other there's uh, there are other uh, goods. I think Quantcast is actually better, don't you? I mean, those are numbers you can sell. I don't think. Yeah, and that's in fact. I'm pretty sure that Gawker uses Quantcast sure now. Um, but but Quantcast, I'm not sure how it works. I mean, it's not. Do you embed, embed a JavaScript yep. bug? That's Same thing. Yep. Okay. Same exact thing as analytics. Right, right. It's not like a toolbar or an estimation. No, 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 no. Like Alexa or something. That no, makes me no, 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 no. So. Those are okay. useless. Yeah. No, it has to be direct measurement of visits. Right. Speaking of which, at some point I want to talk to you about hash bangs in the URLs. <laughs> Have you been following this discussion? Uh, I, I, ha I mean, only insofar as You have I, to recuse I, yourself because Gawker <laughs> is a big hash bang user. Yeah, they're a big hash bang user. And it's making me crazy because I'm editing the Lifehacker book right now and all the URLs in the book actually have the hash bang in it. And it sort of offends my sense of URL-ness. Um, I think this but, is the show to talk about it, but I don't want you to feel a conflict. We could use tw Twitter uses it too. Anybody who uses a lot of Ajax is using it. GitHub uses it. Yep. 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 GitHub uses it. Kind of GitHub, GitHub apparently uses it intelligently, though. Oh, okay. Um, like they use it in issues for sure in the issue tracker, but maybe right. not in other places. Well, we'll talk about that. There's a new Google profile search. I hope it makes profiles more usable, not less. I'm a little worried that it's separate from Google itself, but we'll talk about that and a lot more. You're watching this week in Google. Google in the cloud with Jeff Jarvis, Gina Trapani brought to you today. By Squarespace. Great. Now, speaking of clouds, this is a cloud application for your website. I guess all websites are cloud applications, but um, the software for Squarespace and the hosting for Squarespace are both from Squarespace. And there's an advantage to doing it that way uh, because it's always up to date. You don't have to even think about that. That's just part of the deal as it comes up to date. Um, they have such control of the situation that they can throw more bandwidth at you. They've got very very sophisticated Java-based virtual hosting and so forth. It's just really nicely done. These guys, Dane and Anthony, wrote this in college as a solution for themselves. And now, of course, years later, it's become, a many agree, the best solution for a website, for a content management system. I want you to try it for free. If you go to squarespace.com slash twig, it's very easy. There's no credit card needed. Uh, just you name the site, you give it a password, an email address in case you forget the password. I like You don't even have to type the password twice. I love that. And a little capture here. And now for two weeks, you've got the full benefit of Squarespace, the 60-plus designer templates that are so easy to configure with just sliders and drag and drop. Of course, if you're a CSS wizard or a JavaScript wizard, you, always, you could do the hash bangs. You could do anything you need. It's all in there. That's the beauty of this. Squarespace.com slash twig. A great iPhone and iPad app make it easy to not only post content but to moderate comments. Complete integration with your social media network. Importing and exporting. You're never trapped from the major blog APIs, including movable type, WordPress, TypePad, and Blogger. They've got photo galleries, forums, uh, just everything you'd want in a simple point-and-click environment that makes you look like a web pro. Just take a look at the examples. You'll get some idea. This is what big businesses are using, individuals for their blogs, um, charities. Anybody who needs a website 
and you really need a website. Trust me. Don't trust uh, your don't trust your presence on the web to Facebook. Whew, that'd be a mistake. Here's Kevin Pollock's site. Here's our site. Our Twip blog is a is a Squarespace site. And look how fast that pops up. Squarespace.com slash twig. Give it a try today. You will love it. So, I don't know. Should we get into this hash bang thing, Gina? Or is that really uh, the weeds? No, we, we absolutely can. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. it. It's crazy. I'm actually reading a couple of There's some good right blog. Now. Yeah, there's some good blog there's posts. There's some good blog Oh, Tim Bray kind of mm-hmm. weighed in. A few few designers. Listen, the reality is a URL should point to a piece of content. And hash bang URLs de- depend on JavaScript to fetch content to load inside, which is what the Gawker sites do. Gawker is a company I worked at for five years. I own stock there. That doesn't mean that I can't criticize them a little bit. It's weird. It drives me a little crazy. Uh... I think they're crazy. I have not looked at their Google Analytics in a really long time, so I'm not sure how it affected their uh, Google you know, kind of apparently SEO got issues. a way around it, but uh, but it's kind of a kludgy way around it. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't just, you know, if you're a content publisher, why your URL wouldn't just be a regular string with the words of your headline in it, you know, which is what Lifehacker and the other Gawker sites URLs used to be. I mean, that just seems like good that's what I think. It's just straightforward HTTP. I think it was Twitter that started this. So if I go to twitter.com slash Gina Trapani, watch what happens. It transforms itself to the hash bang, twitter.com slash pound sign exclamation. That's called a hash bang slash Gina Trapani. Hash bangification of the web. Well, it's just like, it's really like the web appification of the web, of the web right? right? So like the hash bang on Twitter came, uh, started when they did the new Twitter redesign, right? right. Which is very like iPad web appy like, right? You tap and the, that side panel flies out. It's much more kind of Ajaxy. Um, but you could do this in HTML5 without a hash bang with real URLs. You'd, that's the, I guess the, what it is, I think it's mostly node.js that people are using. Uh, oh, and everybody okay. loves Node.js. Developers love it. So what it means is when you go to Twitter.com, the browser actually doesn't get Gina Trapani's content. It gets a big-ass chunk of JavaScript, which it runs locally on your machine, and that generates the page. Right. Get Fetching bits of – these are all different bits of content. So there is no – Twitter.com slash Gina Trapani. It doesn't exist. And that's what part of the difficulty with uh, with uh, Google is. There's no page for them to index. And, and Google spiders don't run JavaScript. So there's a kind doesn't of... That hurt that, doesn't that hurt Gawker well, at some point? You'd think, but Google does apparently some sort of workaround that makes it possible. I, I mean, from a developer point of view, it's attractive, right? Because it's the separation of content and presentation. Um, you know, that, that you're getting this, right. I assume that it's JSON or XML, probably most likely JSON, yep. and, then, and then showing itself. Uh, and I'm actually, I really haven't counted this, so I'm not sure what Google's doing to uh, see those pages. Uh, it, seems, it seems strange that, that, that you know, you'd want to depend on a Google's kind of workaround. It's very inside your- baseball, but if you have lately noticed, for instance, not unusual for me to go to Twitter and get a blank page. That's because something's gone wrong. I've got the chunk of JavaScript and it didn't, or whatever. Well, Facebook, it happens to me all the time. Facebook, same, it's using hash bangs as well. And so there is a side effect in reliability and performance. Uh, there's definitely a side effect in indexing, and you and URLs no longer really refer to content. Um, well, here's the other thing I think. You know, MSNBC has said that they're they're going away from page views, pages. Right. Well, everybody pages is. This is the web, as as Gina said, the web app of amplification. Right. So it's a, it's 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 a window. It's a it's a TV screen. It's a whatever, right. and stuff just comes onto it. Right. And that's where we go. And, you know, that's okay, 
but so much of the architecture of how we do the web, including the commerce of the web and, and things like that, is based on pages. Uh, should it be? That's a different question. So I you know, a lot of it is push too. You know that you right. want to be able to push content and right. and, and get yep. the auto refreshing. Someone in the in the uh, chat room helpfully gave us gave me the link to uh, making AJAX applications crawlable. Is if you Google that, right. that that's right. the document for how uh, Google works around this. But you basically instruct the Google bot, this is an AJAX application, and here's how to get the content, uh, which which makes sense. But yes, the the URL is driving crazy. I'm not a big fan of the hash bang. Yeah. Well, I uh, I um. Uh just started discovering this whole discussion about this on the web. And I thought, um, well, I, I thought I'd like to bring it up and just raise people's awareness of it. And probably too inside baseball for us to discuss. Um, nevertheless, I think fascinating. And uh, maybe at another time, we need a web developer show so we could talk about stuff like this. I would point people to Chris Shiflet's blog, uh, which is H S H A S. S H I F L E T T dot org. And he has a, a, a good article on this linking to all of the big articles, including Tim Bray's article um, about this. And uh, it, it basically violates Postel's law, which is be conservative in what you give and liberal in what you accept. And um, fascinating. I think it's fascinating, but enough of that. What about this new profile search? So Google has a profile search engine? Yeah, so Google uh, Google operating system uh, uncovered this, which is a great blog for all sort of sorts of Google product tips. Um, they found that there's a way to search Google profiles if you add a uh, URL parameter, right? So this isn't so so the the profile search isn't exposed in Google's interface right now, but likely it will be, right? This is usually how they kind of start to roll these things out. Right. If you add, so what is the the query is, so you go to google.com slash profile slash you slash zero question mark. And then the query is specified by Q equals in the query. I, for instance, if I do Q equals Leo, I'll find all the profiles of people with the name Leo. Right. Including mine right. at the top there. So, so, it looks, so it's, it's a people search. It's the beginning of, of, a, of another kind of people What happened search. to Google me? Is this part of, of, of a Google me? Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with Google Me. I, it's as yeah. fabled as HTML5 <laughs> taking over the world. It's like Duke Nukem forever. It's just, <laughs> it's imaginary. Right. I mean, I think uh, from what I understand, the last I heard about it is that Google Me is just, is not really a single standalone Google Me product. It's just these these slow and steady social-like um, um, improvements. Um, right. Yeah, like this. Like this ability big, to search like, profiles. Like, Right, right. Hmm. You know, but I think it goes back to what Denny, I think, I think, I don't know if we're going to talk about this separately, but Facebook's comment, distributed comment structure to, to you know, the discuss, discuss. I love discuss. I use discuss. Architecture. Yeah. Right. Is Facebook but, you know, using Facebook discuss now, now? No, 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 no. Facebook's competing with discuss. Oh, are they? What yeah, you, you can, can embed now, Facebook comments. Never! <laughs> yes, which means that Damn. when you go to the site, you can see just the comments of your friends. Oh, they are prioritized differently. You can it now makes a portability that you can put them on Facebook uh, and and share your comments somewhere else, which is kind of nice. Uh, yeah, it's kind of mm. like uh oh. So so what that means is Facebook steps closer to being the identity structure of the web, which they've always wanted. They've always wanted to be, and I, I've argued that there's some danger there because you've got to know what's happening with what you do out in the web and how it relates to what happens inside Facebook. But having said that, they're just comments. Right. 
Um, and you're and if you're putting them out on the open web, they're on the open web. So now you can have a new ability to not only sign in with Facebook, but share via Facebook. And I think most importantly, get the social benefits of comments. So it means you can um, see only people who sign with Facebook and have real identities, which presumably will improve the civility of the comments, which is the big issue with comments. And you can also get the social value so that you see comments prioritized for you. If I got all this right, that's a big deal. And that beats search and profile pages. Right. It does. Basically, as a publisher, you give up your ability to host the conversations about your own con- content and your own database for all the sort of sticky social things that Facebook offers, which is, you know, right. I mean, you can do it now with Discuss, which is great, right, Gina? But, but right. this now adds things to it that poor Discuss can't do because it's not Facebook. Right. Yeah, right. I use a similar system, JS Kits Echo, which uh, does the same thing. It pulls in from Facebook and all the others. But boy, when Facebook does it, the problem is Facebook's not going to support all the other stuff. It's going to be Facebook, right? Like uh, Discuss and, and, and JS Kid Echo will give you Twitter. We'll give you So it's great because if you write a blog post, tweet it. All the comments from Twitter are pulled in. All the comments from Facebook are pulled in. I love that. Right. right. And that's the, comp- that's, that's the thing, right? That's the thing that's going to differentiate anyone else from anyone else's offering from right. Facebook's. Right. right. Here's the, if you go to uh, uh, Inside Facebook, for example, or SB Nation, you'll see it in operation. So InsideFacebook.com, and then go to a post there, and at the bottom, it just says, leave a reply, and it's a Facebook box. It's so familiar. There it is. It's Facebook. Oh, wow. It's add a Uh, comment. as a dumb developer, my first reaction was, why would any publisher do this? Oh, I could tell you why. But uh, yeah, it drives traffic. Drives traffic. Yeah, you're gonna drive traffic back. So where? So where is it that Keep I going. do this? Go down. Go down, Leo. Keep going Below down. the ads. Oh, there it yep. is. Sure. Oh, look. There's my Facebook picture. It knows hey, me. You're yep. logged in. Oh crap. Yep. Now, there if I is. add a comment, does that also go in my face? Yeah. See, post to you Facebook. You have the option. Yep. But that's right why they there. do it because then my Facebook friends see my comment. Maybe you're driven back. To this page, it drives traffic, and we know the like button drives huge amounts of traffic. Right. So they and, kind of, and, you know, I'm one of the ones who made fun of like and said, "Oh, who wants to do that?" And that's going right. to, you know, uh, spook on me the way I'm on the web. No, I was wrong. So now they've got the like button. They've got the activity feed plugin. They've got recommendations, the like box, the login button, the registration button, the face pile button, the comments button, and the like. Well, here's stream. the really important thing, Gene. I think in terms of why why else publishers would do it is that one of the huge problems, it's a, it's a big cost for publishers right. to have to manage comments. And, and this kind of handles spam automatically, right? Because uh, Not only that, but, it, but also you have to have a, 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 an identity. I mean, Facebook's yeah. bloodstream. You know, they wouldn't even change their rules for Wild Gonim from Google when he had the right. fake identity to do the page. And they had to find somebody else who was sympathetic to the cause to have them be the host of it because Google or Facebook is not going to get off the real identity, nor should they, I think wow. get off Facebook. That, that's what they are. And that has, so that brings value back to the publisher in terms of improving the civility and reducing the cost uh, and improving the engagement people have with their site. It's brilliant. Mm. Brilliant. Right. Right. But, but can publishers export or get access to all the comments specifically related to their content. Yeah, but you I know just, what? Hold on, Gina. Do, why would they? Be, what, in, in 10 years, have, have publishers done anything with their comments? 
Well, but 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 they should be right. This is a community yeah. who's saying things about yeah. what they're doing. Like, what's the point of having a community if you're not going to do anything with the conversations that they're having around your stuff? I don't think Show that anyone is doing yeah. it. So it really is a question then of why you do comments, why you do community. Is it to drive more traffic, to get more engagement, or is it because you care what people say? And I would guess in many cases it's the former. You don't really oh, care yeah. what people are saying. You but just you want... should care what people say. <laughs> yes, Gina. If you care oh, about your community, Gina. you care what You're they say. You're so old-fashioned. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I agree with you 100%. That's the only <laughs> way in the no, long run. Absolutely right, but they don't. This They've had 10 years to do comments. I dealt with I'm... comments all the time. And, you know, publishers, and I lectured them and told them to do comments and all that. And they hate them. They hate comments. <laughs> but this is the difference between the D-bags and the people who care about the web. <laughs> well, guess you know? what? The well, D-bags are here, baby. No, they totally aren't. <laughs> I think they should embed Facebook comments. I think everyone else, I mean, should maybe also, but also be worried about ways or be concerned about ways to get that data and do something more with that data to respond to their community and, um, you know, figure out how to engage people a little more. You know, I've resisted putting like buttons and tweet buttons on, on our content. You need to. Stupidly, foolishly, for that very reason, Gina. Yeah. Uh, I don't want the Facebook bookification of the Internet. But uh, of course, it's come to the light. I know I'm am dumb, and I'm and, uh, and as I'm doing by, my Zuckerberg imitation. By doing so, I'm I'm actually hurting you guys. This is hurting me now. The- <laughs> <laughs> he's stuck. I think he's stuck. Uh, because that's uh, uh, yeah. This is where we are now. Uh, you know, and and, and Gina. You know, another view I have of comments is that is that I was always religious about how sites should have comments. This is where your relationship is, is and blah 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 blah. And, and I came to see that I was wrong to this extent. Comments by their very architecture, in, in content at least, say to the public, you know, we don't want to hear from you until after we're done. And after we're done, we will deign to allow you to comment on our work. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? We're going to go to the bar. We, really, we don't care what you have to say. <laughs> we're going to come back and we're going to see all the broken glass and all this. And we're going to say, see, the people are bozos. Whereas true collaboration means you move people up the chain. You collaborate right. much earlier in the process. And you say, what should I be doing today? What do you want me to do? What do you want to know? What do you know? Uh-huh, um, yes. Let's work together, right? All of that. That does not happen out of comments. That's going to happen in other structures and other ways that you, that you do things collaboratively together. So the, the spirit of collaboration, I think, that, that got kind of, not, not even collaboration, the idea that, that a relationship was formed was formed badly in comments. And I blamed publishers for doing that, and I'm not sure that I fully should have. I certainly should to some extent. But I think, again, the architecture of comments is wrong. I I agree with you. I totally agree with the the after-the-fact point that you just made. But I do think that Twitter and Facebook are places where you can ask before you write the story, respond to people during the writing of the story, post the story, and then collect the comments after the story. And yes, that there's that there's the one writer, right? But you still have the community engaged around. And and I've done this. And um, you know, we we do it on Lifehacker. I just I feel like this whole like I don't know when you treat your community just like eyeballs and not like humans who are part of the collaboration. Um, well, you know, I, I think there's another way to look at this. Another way to look at this is, I have never said this before, so I, 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 I'll regret this in 10 minutes. I almost wonder whether you kill comments. It's the kind of thing Nick Benton would say. I have. 
and uh, on some of our content. I don't do right. content. And, and, what, and the problem is, and I, I, have, I condemned that before. I said that was chicken and you're not investing mm-hmm. in the community. You're mm-hmm. not doing this. You're not doing that. Well, maybe there are now better tools to truly interact. Right. Like IRC. And like maybe Facebook and certainly like Twitter. Yep. Right. Twitter we is have a get satisfaction. I just don't want to have comments right under the shows because there were all these trolls who would say bad things about the shows. And then I felt like people would go to the shows and see the bad comments and never listen. So I've moved them elsewhere, in effect. Right. Right. I mean, listen, this is why I love Wave so much, right? Because Wave was all about collaboration from start to finish. If, you, uh, if all yeah. users were uh, part of, as much part of the community, <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad. But you got there's not just D-bag content creators, there's D-bag users too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> well, you know, that's the other problem is that is that not to get way high of the altitude and low in the oxygen. You know, what I say to people is that we in media, godlike in our own image, see the, the internet as a medium. And so we think that when people leave nasty comments, they've schmutzed it all and ruined it. Right. And it's not. It's 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 the streets of New York. Right. There are bozos in the streets of New York. Right. The internet is life. Ergo, there are going to be bozos in the internet, and and you just have to realize that and work with that and um, put the investment in to have the right interactions at the right time with people in ways that truly matter and give them respect. And and you know, speaking for big media companies, it can be challenging because if you have a large audience, it's not it's non trivial oh, to interact. It's yeah, it's very expensive. And there are companies. There's a, you know, there's one called Live Nation or something like that, Live World. Um, that has been doing this for years of having people, you know, police the comments. It ha- you have to invest because if you don't, you're showing no respect to the community either. If you don't get rid of the bozos, right? But, you, <laughs> but this is the thing: you can't. You, but when you have a business that's based around making content, you, 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 it's not about hiring police. Like you have to change your whole. Your business is having a conversation and engaging a community of people on the web. When you're on the web, you're about communicating with people. You're not about publishing articles. So I totally see your point, Jeff, about comments after the fact being sort of useless. And maybe we can just get them to Facebook because they are sort of useless because there is someone just from on high posting and then they have to hire all these people to like delete the trolls. Um, But but you can't you can't look at it that way. I mean, the the publications that are going to win are the publications that are about having conversations with their readers and engaging their readers the whole way. You are preaching to the choir, Reverend Gina. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I absolutely agree. But in practicality, what happens is when I was running local sites, nj.com and organlive.com and all those, and we had the comments, we had the problems you have, I thought that what we needed was every forum. That that those days it was forums, not comments, way back in the day. And and I thought we needed to hire moderators. We hired moderators, right, and didn't work. And, And then I hired this really good social guy. And Mark, and he said, no, Jarvis, you're all wrong here. That's like saying that you want the mayor who should be kissing babies to be out there cleaning up the garbage. You need to, there are people who are going to come in who are just going to schmutz the space, and you got to deal with that. If you don't invest in that and deal with that, then everybody's going to hate you for it. you got to do that. You have to have a cleanup crew for the bozos. That's not your, the heart of your interaction with your public. Right. That's an obligation that comes so you can have good interaction with your public because you can't just assume that the bozos will disappear on their own. That's what right. I'm trying to say. Right. That makes sense. They're I'm different with you. functions. They're functions. Right. So right. so back to Facebook. So Facebook by having real identity and having the ability as a user to prioritize my friends. If I'm you know, a place like Huffington or SP Nation, if I were, you know, a Knicks fan in there. Uh, then I could see my friends, and that takes care of a lot of that function. 
Right. So Facebook gives you the the facility with the cleaning crew built in. <laughs> to some extent. To some extent. <laughs> it turns it around. Rather than cleaning, it 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 merely okay, let's metaphor time. Um, you know, it, it, well, it brings clay, you to the room with your friends in it automatically. It's clay shirky's filter failure. It's clay, it's a new kind of filter. Rather than playing whack-a-mole with the bad people, what you do is you promote the good, mm. which is a better model, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's anyway, why, really that's why we're all going to have Facebook comments on our pages. Yes, we are. <laughs> Damn it. Well, like I said, this is my blog right after. Damn it. <laughs> uh, I'll put Facebook. You know what? I'll, uh, as an experiment, we should try that on the uh, Twit page because that, that's where I, that's the place I turned off comments. I have comments on my blog and everywhere else. But uh, on the Twit page, maybe I'll turn them on and see what happens. Boy, am I going to regret that? We got to take a. We got to. Okay, one second. Just one second. The press release I got from David Swain at at, at Facebook: four publishers, easy to implement, distribution, moderation controls, higher engagement. Yes. Four users, authentic commenting and social context. See the best of comments first. Yep. Moderation and spam control. Take the conversation farther. Threaded comments. Yep. And comment as page. That's pretty compelling. Page owners can comment on external sites as their Facebook page. Oh, I think we're going to You're logged it. into Facebook. You'll see the option to comment as your page. The comment will be shared on your page's wall, blah, 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 blah. So that's what they built here rather quietly, I think. I think it's a big deal. It's very compelling. In fact, it's exactly what I want. And I'll probably turn it on this afternoon on the Twit TV page. Leo. If Gina can buy an iPad, you can use Facebook. God, I, I know. This is just, this is, this whole episode is just about oh, turncoats. God, <laughs> we have to take a break and, and, uh, and get our uh, tooltip and number of the week. Before we do, though, a couple of quick hits. First of all, apparently Facebook raises self-esteem. In a study, <laughs> 63 students who looked at Facebook, a mirror or nothing for three minutes, the Facebook group was only allowed to surf their pages and tabs, not their friends. After each student took a self-esteem questionnaire, those who surf Facebook reported having higher self-esteem. Those who stared at nothing or the mirror, no change. How clever am I? It's, it's, the, it's the witch, isn't it? <laughs> mirror, and, mirror on the wall. Who's the coolest of them all? The honeycomb statue has arrived at the lawn on Google uh, Google's campus. That means honeycomb is coming soon. This is a good one. It is, but I wonder, is the bee going to kill the poor little android guy? He, he does look a little terrified. It looks a little yeah. menacing. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that Steve Jobs in the uh, the iPad launch today used that bee to stand in for Honeycomb in all of his critiques of Android. I thought that was kind of, I mean, boy, Apple's not uh, slow to pick up on semiotics. They see the bee as threatening, too. We're going to take a break. Come back in just a second with our. Is any any other quick things we want to get in here? Uh, there's so much stuff. Have you updated to gingerbread? Have you gotten it yet, uh, Gina? Yes, oh. I have. I did not wait for the. You over did the it air. manually. I did the manual when I as soon as I heard it was the official zip file. I did it manually. I couldn't stop myself, uh, and I like it. It's it's uh it's nice. It's darker, smoother. I, I, there isn't anything that's like standout marquee about it that I'm like head over heels for, but it's definitely a nice. A nice uh, little upgrade. You're just happy about that. Yeah, finally, finally. And and uh, you can be uh, uh, reassured there will be, in fact, no Charlie Sheen talk today. <laughs> On the other hand, we might mention the Oscars. I don't know. Were you happy? Sad? 
about the Oscars yeah. or about Sheen? Sad about Sheen. No, <laughs> I, no I, about I, the Oscars. How do we combine them? We could, we could say, who's winning? <laughs> <laughs> My face is melting. All right, let's take a break. Come back with more. Gina Trapani, Jeff Jarvis, this week in Google Tech News today. Mm-hmm. Coming up in just a moment. Before we go there, I want to mention FreshBooks.com, a great way if you're a freelancer uh, uh, or small business person or sole proprietor to do your invoicing. It's always a hassle. It's the thing I hated doing so much till I found FreshBooks. Back in 2004, that's when I started using them. It's a website that lets you do your invoicing um, uh, on the web, but it makes it easier for you to get paid. And I kind of like that notion. If you go to FreshBooks.com, you'll see you can sign up for free for th- up to three clients. So it's a good way to get started. Uh, If you want paper invoices sent, they will do it for an additional fee. Your logo goes on the invoice. But once you send out an invoice via email, your clients can pay you via credit card, PayPal, or 11 other electronic payment services. That just means you get paid faster and easier. They will also do things like uh, tickle you when when you haven't gotten paid automatically. Automated late payment reminders. If you invoice by the hour, if you do time tracking and billing, you can log your hours... They have an iPhone app or on the web and then consolidate those timesheets right into the invoice with a push of a button. I, two million people use FreshBooks to do their invoicing. I use it for a long time now. Of course, I have a pretty large staff. It costs me a lot more. I, uh, I really liked FreshBooks, and I think you will too. If you are doing your own invoicing, I want you to go to FreshBooks.com and uh, try it today. Painless billing. Gina Trapani, your of the week. The Casa Web Albums does oh, not yes. yeah, they do they do not they just changed their um calculation for how they calculate how much storage space you've used. Yes. They do not count small images. So images under 800 pixels wide or videos shorter than 15 minutes don't get counted toward your storage quota usage. Uh so if you haven't looked at Picasso Web Albums in a while, there's also a, a front page change they kind of they list your friends photos they're trying to trying to make this a little, a little more of a, 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 a of a of a you know just trying to improve the photo um sharing capabilities so there's a new front page update but they do not count 800 pixel wide photos and videos so oh, that's um, cool go ahead and and upload your your archives there Picasso web albums i'm not I'm not quite convinced to leave Flickr yet but mm. uh i'm getting there i really like the way Picasso web albums is integrated into Android. It's much easier to share images uh, in PWA via Android. So, and they uh, show up in your gallery, which is really yeah, great. Yeah, which is really nice. I'm a, yes. I'm a big fan of, uh, of this, and you're right. I mean, I wish it would kind of become as big as, uh, as Flickr, because I'd love to use this instead of Flickr. Yes. And I yeah. paid for more, ba- you know, I paid for like hundreds of gigs. I don't know how much storage I have. Huh. <laughs> but uh, I really, I've always liked this. Uh, it's cool stuff. And it cooks right into the desktop Picasso, which I right, love with the right. facial recognition. It's it's a, it's a good product, and uh, this this little change, this algorithm change, has made me kind of take a look a look at it. If yep. you if you don't pay for the extra storage, you could you can send a lot of photos up there at a smaller resolution and uh, without without using up your space. Right. Your number of the week, Mr. Jarvis. Well, I'll tell you, it will not be that Charlie Sheen is about to hit a million followers. <laughs> is he really? Day. Yeah. My gosh, 900, already? <sighs> 965,815. Well, he so is winning. I wrote a post. Yeah, he's winning. <laughs> winning. I wrote a post complaining about how I think that he was used by um, press uh, who put him on as if he wasn't sick and didn't have a problem and they enabled that. But 
you know, he we the people are doing it. We're following on Facebook. We're giving him plenty of attention on Facebook, on on Twitter. Um. So when so he, that, when did he join? Yesterday. 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 Yeah, Howard Stern hasn't hasn't risen so fast. Well, people are hoping he'll have a meltdown on Twitter. That's all. It's just our pathetic yep. little love of. Uh, it's sad because there's so much real news and important stuff that this gets all the, yeah. all the press everywhere. Yeah. Sad commentary, frankly. So that's not my number. What is your number? My number is number two. That's Bing a- is now number two worldwide. Ooh. But don't get excited. Uh, Google's global market share in February was 89.94. Huh. Bing's was 4.37. Yahoo's 3.93. And of course, Yahoo is Bing. So it adds up okay. But Yahoo losing, you know, isn't necessarily a good thing for Bing. Does anybody, uh, who uses Bing? Anybody out there? Bueller? Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Almost too pretty. You feel like it's heavyweight, right? Search engine. But, you know, typical for Microsoft, they're fighting yesterday's war. Yeah, because it ain't search. Compare, all this effort they put into Bing versus what Facebook just did with comments. What's a better business strategy? Yeah, boy. So anyway, <sighs> that's that. My uh, tool of the week uh, this week is an Android app. Food spotting has come to Android. I don't know if you're familiar with food spotting, but it's a social network that uh, is uh, is about checking into restaurants, most most particularly checking into foodstuffs at restaurants. So you take a picture of a meal you liked. You can add nom nom noms. It's nice now because tied into the phone, you can see where you are and you can see what's good around here. So these are yeah. these are this is food that's nearby. It's, it should be called fat gaining. <laughs> food spotting. And now, uh, by the way, it works with a Foursquare, too. So you can do a food spotting check-in, and it will also check into Foursquare. Four. Leo, can you search just for meat? Meat. Uh, probably. I don't know. That's a good question. Low-carb face food spotting? I don't yeah. know. That chicken and prosciutto sandwich looks pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I spent man. way too much time like drooling over oh. images of... <laughs> now it's on Android, food spotting. By the way, what a great I, idea though. What a great, you know, what's show me the food button near me. Show me the food. Show yeah. me the food. Show forget me. the name of the restaurant. Forget the map. Show, show me, me the food. The money. Exactly. Show me the food. Exactly. But this, the fact that this is on Android and in such a beautiful way, I mean, this is every bit as pretty as the uh, iPhone app, shows that Android, I think, for a lot of these kinds of companies is absolutely a parody now. And, and in fact, it's you have to be on this platform. Not for Gina. I know. She's going the other way. What's wrong with you? I'm excited for to, to use Flipboard on, on the iPad. You know there's what? only a few apps now that Flipboard are just iOS awesome. only. Flipboard is truly awesome, and I can't wait till there's an Android version. Although I've moved now to the Nokia N8. I think this is the future. Doesn't that look like the, doesn't <laughs> like that look that. Like the future of phones? Clearly, that is the future. Oh, baby. This is, this is what a cell phone was meant to be. Nokia is the general motors of cell phones. <laughs> it's going to slide any minute now. Serious. <laughs> 12 megapixel camera. Things like a truck. Why did I buy this? What is wrong with You me? bought it? Hey, well, yeah, I, I want to give them a chance. I want to give them a fair break. I uh, forget. But it's, not, it's, it's not Windows operating system, is it? No, it's uh, Symbian. Yeah, it's Symbian, yeah. I used to like Symbian. I don't know. Yeah, Symbian was my first smartphone. Yeah, it was my first. Yeah. Uh, I had a Scion. I loved it. I, I just wish I could... I haven't figured this out yet. I'm sure there must be some way I can log into my Google accounts. No. So I have to enter in all my contacts by hand? You must yeah, be Yeah, that's total BS. And Oh, you want to see the keyboard? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me see if I can get the keyboard. Oh, I love the keyboard on this. It's a, it's a, it's a phone pad. It's not a, it's not a keyboard. It's a phone pad. 
It's like, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's hard no. to believe. I know. Anyway. <sighs> Food spotting. <laughs> Fat gaining. Fat gaining. Gina Trapani <laughs> is at smarterware.org where she blogs. You also see her on Lifehacker and many other places. And, uh, of course, her uh, great app. Someday, are you going to ever, is that going to ever be released to the uh, the world at large? Think up. We are we are working on our 1.0 roadmap. It's, we've been we've been in alpha and beta for a year now, so we're getting to a place where we're going to be ready to say this is actually ready. Good, exciting. Close. Next few months. I love it. Great Je- show, guys. Jeff Jarvis, the author of What Would Google Do? He's also a blogger at BuzzMachine.com. I am going to wind. Thank you both for being here. I'm going to wind us up with a movie from Google, circa 1999. This was when they had get this. Nine employees. This is what this is what a big company looks like eleven years ago. Good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. That's Google. 19. The Googleplex. The Googleplex. They were 1. big. 1.0. Tinker Toys. Alpha. <laughs> At one point, there's a screen with like recent Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> it's good this it's stuff like, exists, just so we know. You know, it's yeah. so it's so cool. Everyone has humble beginnings. That's the life lesson here. Yeah. Love it. These videos. I love it that it's, it's the company with no people. Yeah. They probably... This is, oh, look. There's their bookshelf. Oh, O'Reilly oh, man, books. Bad A lot of skills. O'Reilly on there. I have yeah. like three quarters of those books. I have all these books. Mathematica. Virus Scan. That's fine. Virus Scan. I forgot to mention, we're going to Austin. Let me add that. uh, Plug that into the end of the show. Uh, We will be at Austin doing, you guys will be with me. We'll be doing the show live from Momo's on Sunday, uh, March 13th. Starts at 1 o'clock with the uh, radio show. At uh, 4 o'clock, it's TNT. 5 o'clock, it's Twit with Gina, Jeff, and a whole bunch of other people. And our meetup at 7 o'clock. Please stop by Momo's. 21 and older, I'm sorry. If you're under 21, you just have to stand outside Crest that is if we don't get trampled at the Apple Store on the 11th. Well, actually, uh, we were going to cover that live at Aust- at the Austin Apple Store. With- <laughs> that might be fun, too. All right, Gina. Will you have it? Will you have it? Will you have it when you come to Austin? Uh, no, I, I'm in the air when, at 5, so yeah, I land I at like 7.30 Friday night. Join so a- oh, I- good. We're all going to be going. We get there around 9. We're all going to be going to the Austin Apple Store around 10 o'clock on Friday night. Oh, around 10 o'clock? Yeah. Uh, well, totally. I'm we'll there. stay in touch. Yeah, yeah. That's we'll stay in touch. Insane. I'll join you. That'll be fun. <laughs> join, join the party. We'll <laughs> Bye, have the guys. live you. We'll show, I'll show Gina buying I'll her first. I'll go by a Zoom. Yeah. We'll show Gina <laughs> buying her first iOS device. Oh, man. I don't know. I might get a, there might be a revolt. <laughs> Revolting. <laughs>